Man, I'm excited to be. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? It's a good day to be in the house of God. We are honored to get the chance to speak to you all today. And before we start, Pastor Ethan was so gracious with his words towards us, but I wanted to say a few things back um, and honor him and, and Lena. We're so thankful that it's, it's one thing to say I'm part of the team in charge of the mountain, but it's another person to say I'm going first. And we're thankful for leaders that say, I'm willing to go first. And uh, thankful, thankful for that, Pastor Ethan. Thank you for being willing to go first. And just so thankful for what a blessing they are. They, they came from Ohio. I know that move. That is not an easy move, everybody. And, and just to invest their lives and their family into the vision of this church. We believe that the best days are ahead, amen? Best days are ahead. So honored that we get the chance to, to speak today and um, we're gonna share a little bit with you guys on just a little bit of faith today. Hope, hope we can stir up some faith. Is that okay with you today? Stir up a little bit of faith. That song talked about don't stop believing that many of us would know that song very well. But we just wanna just kind of set the, the platform, set the floor for you today and let you know what we're going to be talking about. So faith plays a, a critical role in all of our lives, if you would probably agree with me that there is this bedrock or this, this idea, this forward thinking, this big expansive idea that faith generates something that nothing else can generate. Faith is powerful. It's, it's this life filled with, you know, uh, just all kinds of things, but faith is a powerful agent that moves the church and moves us as individuals forward. I wanna talk about one of the great fathers of the faith. In fact, the, the Bible says he was a father of faith. His name is Abraham. Abraham. That Abraham even talked about this, that says nobody had a journey of faith better than Abraham. Abraham had encountered various tests and trials of his faith. But today we wanna take you through just a little bit of the story of Abraham in order to encourage you and let you know today that faith matters. A faith makes a difference. And to not stop believing, hear me today, in God's very best for you. Don't stop believing in God's very best for you. So you ready today? All right, let's get to it. Hebrews 11 says this, verse eight. It was by faith, somebody say faith. faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. This is a key part. He went, get this, without knowing where he was going. I'm just gonna say that one more time because there's a lot of us that could un understand this. He went without knowing where he was going and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by Faith, so his faith did not run out. It, it, he needed faith to keep him there. For he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. That's a key phrase right there. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. How many of you know that it's important what you see? 
It's important, not, I'm not just talking about the physical aspect of it, but what you see with your spiritual eyes. What you see ahead of you, whereas some people could see destruction, other people see hope. How, how do you see that? Whereas one person sees negativity, another person sees positivity. It's all in how you see. And Abraham was faced with a choice. How, Abraham, will you choose to see? How will you choose to see? Because here's what I want us to understand today. Life, your life, will only go as far as you are able to see. People will put a cap on themselves of how far they can grow because they can't see themselves growing any further. People will say, like, my marriage is as good as it's going to get because they don't see their marriage being better. Can I hear, you understand what I'm saying today? There, there's this aspect of seeing further and it requires faith in order to activate that kind of sight. Faith. But we, we were faced with this danger of short-sightedness. It's easy for any of us to fall into the pitfall of short-sightedness where you give up before you even start. You just see but a small piece. The Bible says we see but a small bit. But eventually you're gonna see the whole picture. Eventually you're gonna see the, the big picture, but there's this danger of short-sightedness. I was reading a medical journal the other day because I'm, I'm not a doctor and I don't do it for fun. <laughs> but I was reading a medical journal and it talked about short-sightedness. If you're not careful, over time, it can actually develop and run from generation to generation. Do you understand what I'm saying today? That your short-sightedness, my short-sightedness, can affect my kids, and my kids' kids, and their kids' kids, and it's generation after generation, your short-sightedness can effectively handicap God's blessings in your life. What would it look like to say, I'm gonna look beyond my short-sightedness? Because the danger is our children and their children will pay the price for our lack of sight. That's why we make such a big deal about kids ministry and student ministry and young adults ministry because the truth of the matter is they're not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of right now. They're the church of right now that we believe we're a church of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Three generations represented, that, that we are a generational church. And I was thinking about this this morning. I want my kids to have a double portion and a double anointing of what I have. And why would I sell God short and be short-sighted and say, God, you could only do it with me, you could never do it with them. Shame on me for ever thinking that. But what if I started to think big dreams and I started to look at my daughters and said, you're going to be a conqueror and you're going to be a victor for Christ and you're going to accomplish big things. And what if I saw beyond what I physically see? talking about spiritual sight. Because the truth of the matter is, Isaac and Jacob inherited, it says in the scripture, the same promise that Abraham did. But what would have happened had Abraham not received the promise? What would have happened if Abraham had said, it's not for me? 
in following up with this medical journal, it actually said that you can actually develop eye complications if you don't deal with your short-sightedness. And it talked about that regular, get this, eye exams are critical. Meaning, sometimes you may think, like, I'm a little short-sighted, it's okay to have a little eye assessment. And say, like, it's okay to get back to what the Word says. It's okay to get back to what truth says. It's okay to get back to what God says about my future. He has plans for me. It's good, it's okay to say, I need an eye check. I need to check my, my eyes because I'm not seeing clearly. I need a spiritual eye check. That brings me to my point today. Faith helps you see. Faith will help you if you activate it, will help you see further, will help you go the distance, will give you spiritual stamina to, to, to stick with it. Focus on the spiritual, not the physical. You see, what, what Abraham saw in his mind hadn't manifested yet. It hadn't even come to fruition yet. But Abraham says he saw a city and he started to make steps. And by the way, he wasn't stepping in his, in, not even so much in his own faith, but he was stepping on the faithfulness of God. In other words, like, God, you've been faithful. I'm going to trust you. I'm gonna trust you, even though I can't see, but I'm gonna take some steps of faith. What would happen if we took some steps of faith today? That we stepped out in faith, that we believed that the impossible was possible. We believe that God's best was in front of us. I wrote this down today, faith is taking God's authority over your situation and not your own authority. Your authority pales in comparison to the authority of your creator. And he can turn a situation, hear me today, around. He can turn your mourning to dancing. He can turn a curse to a blessing. God can turn it around. So you have to walk in the authority of God. Second Corinthians says, I walk by faith and not by sight. So it's not so much what you see with your physical eyes. It's, God, what are you telling me? What are you telling me to see? What, what are you telling me? Because the distance of your sight determines the depth of your blessing. How much are you willing to see? How far are you willing to go? You would say, God, I'm willing to have a spiritual overhaul on my eyes, change my perspective. It's okay to do that at times. What if we were to give God full permission as I get ready to wrap up, to open our eyes to the possibilities, the possibilities, church, of what he has in store. I, I know sometimes in 2022 it's hard to dream, but what if you said, I'm gonna start dreaming again? What if you said, I'm gonna start thinking big again? Because God's plan for you is this, get this, Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own. What you understand doesn't matter because you will never completely understand it anyways. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, put him first, him first and he will make your path straight. So in other words, I don't need you to know where every bend and turn is in the path, I just need to know who I'm walking with. 
Does that make sense today? I don't need to see the whole picture. I just need to put my trust and faith in the artist who's painting the picture. God is the architect of my future. Are you thankful for faith today? Can you give it up for Pastor Tyson Cunningham, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> my God today. How y'all doing? Listen, have y'all enjoyed this summer concert series? I mean, it's been so fun. I'm telling y'all, this month, as we've just kind of prayed through and, and just thought through the songs that we would kind of preach on, and, and as we were just getting to this last week, as we were going to be doing, uh, you know, don't stop believing. Don't stop believing, right? We are just trying to figure out, well, who was going to lead the song each week? And, and, of course, I did the first song of Sweet Home Alabama. And it was like, well, who's going to lead this week? I thought to myself, if I don't lead this week, all of my Mississippi State Health Safe family will probably disown me by the end of the service, right? And so I said, I just went with my heart. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take that one, too. I'll take Don't Stop Believing. So... I just want to make sure my Mississippi State Hell State family, I hope I did y'all proud. We're in the room. I'm in the right place this morning, Pastor Ethan. <laughs> well, listen, I just want to reiterate what Pastor Josiah said and just tell y'all how grateful us pastors are this morning just for the opportunity uh, to share and preach the gospel, preach God's words. We don't take this lightly at all, and we're just so humbled uh, for our pastor and his, his vision, his leadership, his family. Uh, they are a tremendous blessing to Vibrant Church in this region, and uh, man, we're just, just so honored that we get a chance to, to run with him. So this morning, I have the privilege of talking about, uh, you know, the, the angle of faith, that faith can surprise you. Faith can surprise you. So we're going to be looking at a, a point in Abraham's life. Well, that was a reality that him and his wife were sitting in. Amen. And so Genesis 17 is what we're going to be focusing on for a few moments. And I'll read it. Genesis 17 verse 1 says this. When Abram was 90 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations— for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. I'm going to go down a little bit to verse 15, and it says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you should not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Now, I don't know about y'all, but if you were to put yourself in this text, <laughs> I can imagine that Abraham was sitting there saying to himself, God, this doesn't make sense. This does not make sense. And, you know, it's like, Lord, 
you know, we've been, we've been rocking for a minute now. Like, I know you know me. I know you. And so I'm sure I don't have to remind you that um, I'm 100 years old. <laughs> and my wife is 90. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to do this thing. We're going to have a child. Like, Lord, this doesn't make any logical sense. And so he was sitting in this place. And I believe what is so interesting is that Abraham began to highlight his circumstances instead of highlighting God's covenant. Like many of us do sometimes when we hear a word or we hear a promise, we begin to highlight our predicament where we are instead of highlighting God's promise. It's easy to do, right? And, and, and what Abraham continued to do in the text, if you were read it, it says, you know, he said, let, let, what is a way that this can make most sense? Lord, just, if only Ishmael could live before you in your presence, that would make more sense. Like, I'm 100, my wife's 90, Ishmael's here. Just fulfill your promise to our son that's already here because uh, I don't think my wife's going to have a baby at 90 years old, right? So he said, just use Ishmael because that will make a lot more sense to me. Have we ever asked God to do something concerning us that will make much more logical sense to us? But I'm, I'm so thankful for his word in Isaiah 55 and 89. It says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We have to understand this morning, church family, that a lot of times God's ways don't make sense. A lot of times God's will does not make sense. His plans don't always make sense. So what do we do when we're sitting in this tension? Lord, I don't understand. I hear your word. What do we do? How do we respond when it doesn't make sense, y'all? I want you to turn to somebody, look them in the eyeball, as good as they're looking and asking this question. Did you laugh? <laughs> Did you laugh? Now, many times when we hear this story and we hear what Abraham and Sarah went through, a lot of times what's highlighted is that the fact that Sarah laughed. But if you read the story, Abraham and Sarah laughed. And so what was the difference? What was the difference in, in their posture of laughter? Well, if you look at it, um, I think it's so cool that it says in verse 17, Abraham fell on his face and laughed. So I can just imagine Abraham, he has received this promise and he is just knocked off of his feet with astonishment and amazement. And he's just like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but uh, he's just in amazement. But he, he said he fell on his face. He had humbled himself before God. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm worshiping. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I don't understand, but you're God. He was amazed. He, he was just like, man, this is, this is crazy what you're up to, God. But if you read further in the text, what Sarah did is that she was standing at the door, eavesdropping as the angel of the Lord was talking to Abraham and telling him what he was going to do. And Abraham, uh, Sarah was like, what, what, they what are they talking about? I'm going to do what now? <laughs> I'm going to have a baby. And she started laughing to herself like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, do you not realize the state? I'm way past childbearing at this point in my life. There's no way. There is no way this could happen with where I am in my life. 
God, I'm 90 years old. Nothing else is coming through here. I know. <laughs> like she's laughing at the fact that there is no, she's just in unbelief. Like I just doubt that this is possible with God. <laughs> Y'all forgive me. But it's so it's many times we can find ourselves in this position where we have to consider what is my laugh looking like in response to what God has said. When it comes to God's promises, am, am I laughing in, in, in a position of just amazement and astonishment at the power of God and what he's able to do? Or, or, am, I, or am I just eavesdropping and overhearing what the promise is and just saying, Lord, that, I don't know about that. There's no way. With where I am currently in my life, there's just no way that could happen. There's no way you can do that. My challenge to you is that we would just exercise and, and challenge ourselves to, to hold on to faith over fear. And I love how, you know, as the conversation was continuing to go, you know, the Lord asked Abraham, why did your wife Sarah laugh? And y'all, fear was creeping in. She was like, oh, no, 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 no. I didn't laugh. <laughs> and the angel said, oh, no, you laughed. <laughs> I heard you, right? She's like, no, 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 don't be scared now. You laugh because you just didn't believe I could do what I said I was going to do. And so my challenge and my encouragement to us is as we're considering that, I love how in verse 14, it says, this phrase that I want us to hang on to, is anything too hard for the Lord? Listen, I, I don't know what you may be walking through in your life right now, but here's the word. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And so while Sarah is sitting in this place of disbelief, we have to wrestle with this tension of is anything too hard for the Lord. And so my final encouragement to us all this morning is this very thing. Let God surprise you. Just, just let him do it, church. Let, let God surprise you in your faith where a lot of times in culture, it's so easy. Y'all, we live in the, in the Bible belt to just check off the religious things. We come to church on Sunday. We do our normal moral things. But just, can I just encourage us today to let God surprise us in our faith and take us deeper in a relationship where we're walking with him and he's talking with us and he's showing us there's more to this thing than just this Sunday, Wednesday type of experience. There's more I want to show you. Let God surprise us in our faith. Let God surprise us in our families and in our marriages that God is able to keep us and as divorce rates are through the roof, that he's able to sustain our marriages in a time where things are crazy. I can tell y'all, God is faithful. Let him surprise us how, with how we raise our children. The Bible says to train up a child in the way they should go. That when they're old, they won't depart. Like, let God surprise us that as we're sowing and as we're training and as we're teaching our kids, believing that God is going to keep them when they get older, believing that God is going to protect them in this cruel world we're living in. Let God surprise us. Let God surprise us. Let God surprise us in our finances, y'all. Like I know we're like the, the tithe and giving to the church, that's just all over everywhere. And there's just a big uproar. But, but how about we encourage each other to let God surprise us in our finances? Like the Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, and I love it, it says, Honor the Lord with all of your wealth, all of your possessions, and the first fruit of your produce. 
Whew, the first fruit of your produce said that your, your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. I don't know about y'all, but I want to walk under that blessing where I'm honoring the Lord with my finances. I'm honoring the Lord with my wealth and my possessions because I want to live under the banner of blessing and God's provision. I can look back on my life. And I remember me and my wife, she's sitting right here on the front row looking just beautiful. I love you. Yes. <laughs> but y'all, when we got married, we're talking about letting God surprise you. Many people don't know this. On our wedding day, $5 in, in Pastor Tyson's account. <laughs> y'all laughing. She's there. She can vouch for me. It's like, boy, you crazy. I don't know what she said yes to. I had five. I was in college. I didn't have a job. I was playing basketball at Mississippi State, and I was crazy enough to take a step of faith and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this thing. I'm going to let you surprise us against the odds, people laughing, people mocking. How y'all going to do it? But this year, 10 years later, God has been faithful. This year, he's provided. He's taken care of us. Three kids later, and we're still in this thing. Let God surprise you. In the midst of the doubt and the laughs and the fears, let God surprise us in our finances. And in closing, I just want to tell y'all, like, let God surprise us in our future. You may have come into this room this morning with some heaviness. You may be thinking, like, this is it for me. But can I encourage you today? This is not the end for you. Let God surprise you in your future. Let God surprise us in our future here in our church, believing that the best is yet to come. We haven't seen our best days. Come on, come on. We haven't seen all that God is going to do. Come on, let's continue to trust and believe that the best is yet to come. Let's let God praise and worship him for all that he is, all that he's done, all that he's doing, and all that he will do. Let's be encouraged, church, to let God surprise us as we trust him at another level. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Aaron Lane as he comes to close us out. Great job. I love running with you guys. I honor Pastor Josiah, Pastor Tyson. I love running with you guys. Pastor Ethan, thank you. I uh, love you. It's an honor to serve you. It's an honor to serve Vibrant Church. I believe this is the best season in the life of Vibrant Church. you agree with me? It's an awesome season. Now, I have a grandmother who's 93 years old, and the last thing I would expect her to tell me when she called me, right? <laughs> I'm pregnant, right? <laughs> that would be very surprising to me. <laughs> it's, it would be shocking. <laughs> so we're going to continue the story uh, of Abraham, Genesis 22, and while you go there in your phones and your Bibles, I'll give you some context to set this up, and uh, bear with me, I'm going to kind of go through this pretty fast. This is such a great chapter, it's a familiar chapter, one of the best chapters in, in the Bible, in my opinion, and uh, Abraham, the promised seed is delivered in Genesis 21. Isaac is born, Sarah and Abraham are excited about it. And scholars believe there's about 15 to 20 years between Genesis 21 and Genesis 22. Well, we know in Genesis 23 that Sarah is 127 years old whenever she passes away, which would have made Isaac 37 years old. So most scholars believe that Isaac was between the ages of 15 and 37 when Genesis 22 takes place, okay? I just want you to keep that in mind as we read this because it's not, a lot of you, maybe you grew up heard. Uh, grew up hearing that 
Isaac was this little boy, and he didn't know what was going on, and he's climbing up the mountain, and he's like, what are we doing up here, kind of thing. But Isaac was fully aware of what was happening. So Isaac is on the scene, and Abraham and Sarah can die in peace, knowing that God fulfilled his covenant through them. Right? Let's look at Genesis 22, verse 1. God had other plans. After these things, God tested Abraham. How many of you know that you never graduate from God's school of testing? And said to him, Abraham, Abraham's probably like, what? (laughs) He said, here I am, take your son, your only son, listen to these words, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him. There is a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So my point today and our final point of the day is that faith requires sacrifice. Anybody ever place themselves in the story? You know, you, you read the Bible and you place yourself in the text. It's easy to do with certain stories, right? Everybody, we, we grew up wanting to be David because everybody, we could kill Goliath, right? Or we wanted to be Daniel. We wanted to sleep with those lions and think that we're big and bad. But this is a story that's very hard to put ourselves into, especially when it comes to children. I have four kids, You know what it's like having four kids? Imagine drowning and someone throws you a baby. (laughs) That's what it's like. That's the story of my life, okay? So the Bible uses these words. He says, this is your only child. This is the one that you love. This is the first time that the word love is mentioned in the Bible. And so it's a little bit different, right? When you have only one, I have four. Some days I could be like, yeah, you go, your turn. So this is what happens. Abraham, continuing in verse three, Abraham rose early the next morning. He saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood, went to the place that God told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, saw the place from afar. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and listen to this and worship and come again to you. This is the measure of faith that Abraham had. He was talking to his young men and he said, we're going over there, but we're coming back. And Hebrews eleven nineteen says this, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. This is the God he served. And I wanna point out, as Pastor Josiah mentioned earlier, this was not the first call to sacrifice in Abraham's journey. In Genesis 12, God calls him to leave a land that was very familiar and comfortable for him He was 75 years old at the time, and he says, okay. And he says, Abraham, just put one step, one foot in front of the other, one step at a time, and I will show you this land that I'm gonna take you to. That was the first call of sacrifice in the life of Abraham. That was the first step. It was a literal step in moving in the right direction. And I think a lot lot of us, we, we think, well, hey, we'll never have to sacrifice our child. We'll never have to do these big things. Maybe you're looking at me saying, well, I'm not gonna preach next week, but What are your first steps of sacrifice? Maybe your first step needs to say, hey, I wanna serve on the dream team. I had a cup of coffee this morning. Somebody came early this morning and made that coffee. I just checked my kids in. Somebody was standing there and welcoming me. And I felt safe. I felt like my children were safe. And when you drove in the parking lot, there were some men that were sweating in July Park in your car this morning. First step. Yeah, give it up for all of our dream team. All of our dream team. 
Thank you, thank you. We honor you. Maybe your first steps are personal. Maybe it's at home. What are you gonna do at home? Maybe it's leading your family in prayer. Hey, I don't know what to pray. Prayer, prayer doesn't have to be long. Just pray for your family. Gather your family together. Pray for your family. Maybe, you're, maybe your first step is sacrificial giving. It's going above the tithe. And we're still so blown away as a, as a church by the $450,000 offering, forward offering that you guys gave to. You guys made that happen. You guys made that happen. I want you to see what happens when you sacrifice. Verse six, and I'm gonna paraphrase, but the full scriptures will be on the screen behind me. Abraham gives Isaac the wood to carry. Abraham carries the fire and the knife. Isaac says to his dad, I see the fire, I see the wood. I don't see the sacrifice. Verse eight says, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went on together. And you can see Jesus all in this text. When they arrived, Abraham built an altar, laid the wood, bound Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham was ready to slaughter his son, but the angel of the Lord called to him. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went, took the ram, offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. What an incredible story. Incredible story. And I think the text shows us that provision always follows sacrifice. And we look at Genesis 22, verse 14. It, it came time for Abraham to name the place on the mountain. He didn't name that place the place of great testing or the place of great sacrifice. He simply named it, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. God's way of provision is through sacrifice, through obedience. I recall a very difficult season in my life when I felt like God was calling me to leave a place that was very familiar to me. A season of my life, I went to seminary, I was in school and felt the call of God on my life to be a pastor and, and call full, fully into the ministry. And, uh, but I remember leaving the church that I was serving at, not knowing where to go, not knowing what my next steps were, a lot like Abraham. And I was working construction at the time and, and some days I would say, God, is this it for me? And that's not necessarily a bad thing. My grandfather built houses, my dad is a tradesman and they serve God well and faithful in the marketplace, just like so many of you. There's nothing wrong with that, and we need you. <laughs> Continue to serve God in the marketplace. But I knew that God had a call in my life to be a pastor, a first-generation pastor in my family. And, uh, but there were dark days. It was, a, it was a few years that I went through this, so there were dark days, and I remember, I'll never forget, on one of the darkest days, my being at home, playing with my son. He was three or four years old at the time. And uh, a couple of his friends were over. We were playing basketball outside. And one of the friend's dads came, came over to talk to me. And you know how it is. You make small talk with people. What do you do? How many kids do you have? Are you ready for another one? <laughs> you know those things. 
And it was always awkward for me, especially in that season, because it was a really dark season for me. I felt like I had sacrificed. I feel like, God, my life is in your hands, but it's so, so dark. Where are you, God? I've taken these steps in obedience to you. And the guy was casually carrying on a conversation with me, asking me questions, and he said, what do you do? And I said, before I could even say anything, my little three or four-year-old son looked at him and said, my dad's a pastor. And that was the provision through my son's words that I needed in that moment. My hand, I, I was holding the knife and I was getting ready to sacrifice my dreams. And God said, wait a minute, and spoke through my three-year-old boy to my life through his provision. And today I'm standing on the faithfulness of God. I'm standing. Because I chose to leave everything in God's hand. And I firmly believe that those who leave everything in God's hand will eventually see God's hand in everything. And I see it, I see it. I believe we as a church see it today. I believe we're better than we've ever been because we've given everything to God. We said, God, your will for this place, for this house. God, your way for this house, for the people in this house, God. And we, we've already begun to hear stories of God's faithfulness when you brought up those prayer requests, when you submitted your forward offering. We're starting to hear what God is doing in your life. Because those who leave everything in God's hand will eventually see God's hand in everything. So I wanna encourage you today, keep taking those steps. Keep loving your family, keep loving your spouse. Remain faithful to your kids. Be faithful in your marriage, be faithful to the call of God on your life, whatever that looks like. Only you can answer to that, be faithful. Provision always follows sacrifice. Let me pray for you. God, you're faithful, you're a provider. We put all of our trust in you today. Every person in this room, every person watching online, we put our faith and trust in you, Jesus. I was old, was young, never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. Those who put their trust in you will never be put to shame. We thank you, God. We thank you. We trust in you, God. This is our declaration that you will provide. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Can you let those three guys know how much you appreciate them sharing the word today? So good, so good, great job guys, great job. The walk by faith, not by sight, not by what we can see, but by what we can see. Not by what we know, but by what we know. So grateful to, to have a team like that share such great 
just world-class word today and so thankful for it. If you're in the room today and you just say, you know what, I need more faith. That's a great prayer. I need more faith. It, I don't think we ever kind of get past saying, God, I just need more faith. Can I pray with you today before we go? And maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've drifted from God. Maybe whatever that is, I just pray right now. You make that decision. You don't leave this place without crying out to God and knowing that, hey, I need you, Jesus. I cannot do this without you. And faith, you give God four Sundays. Give God 30 days. Faith will surprise you. Surprise you. Watch what faith can melt off of your past and off your mind. Watch what faith can do in your heart and in your life. If you're in the room and you just want to be honest before God and everybody, and my hand's even up right now, just saying, God, give me more faith. Just be honest. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Faith will help you see. Faith will surprise you. And faith will require sacrifice. Father, you see every hand raised in this room today, and I pray that you give us the faith needed in this season. Some may be facing difficulties at home. Some may be facing difficulties with business. Some may be struggling even to know if you're real or not. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. The Bible says you give us a measure of faith. I pray you just strengthen their inner man, their inner woman, that whatever challenge they, challenges they may be facing today, that they can stand with their shoulders back and their back straight. Be confident that we walk not by what we can see. We don't walk by what we feel or what we taste or what we smell or what we sense, but we walk by faith, our spiritual sixth sense, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. One more time, if you're thankful for God today, give your hand. Give God a big praise.